0: Well, are you thankful to be here today? Yeah. So am I. You know, the, the truth is, without our military, we would not have freedom. And It's easy for people to forget that truth. Just think about the last 100 years on this planet, the world wars and others, the Nazis and the Japanese. Just talk to the people who lived in the countries dominated by the Soviet Union. Dictators, communism, and socialism never promotes freedom, not in the long run. And think about today, a world filled with radical terrorists who would enslave us if we didn't convert to whatever their ideology happened to be. Without the military, there is no freedom. One of the gifts that America has given to the world is religious liberty. How many of you can quote the First Amendment? Maybe this coming year a good challenge would be for each of us to memorize it because it's a beautiful, powerful thing that has changed not only this country but much of the world. Look at the words of the First Amendment to our Constitution. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, meaning that The state, the government, will not choose one religion or one denomination to be the official religion or the official denomination of that state, of that government, that everyone in some manner has to support. That's that's not true in much of the world. That's not historically been true even in the founding of this country back in the colonial days. South Carolina had a state-sponsored church. Do you know what it was? How many of you know before the Revolution it was the Anglican Church which in America today is the Episcopalian Church that you had to support in certain ways through taxation and other things. And if you were not part of those churches some of your rights were restricted. And so that's what this part of the Constitution means when it says no establishment of religion. But the second phrase is or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Free to choose and free to live and free to practice. And that's the part of the First Amendment that sometimes is forgotten by certain segments of our society today. That we as a Christian have a right to live our lives as we feel God is calling us to live our lives. And the government can't force us to contradict who we are. Freedom of speech. Maybe that needs to be read and learned on some of our college campuses that are afraid of somebody being offended if they hear something somebody doesn't like. Freedom of speech, because when you begin restricting it, where does it stop? The right to peaceably assemble, to assemble in protest. But notice that important word that I think many in our culture, whether they're on the far left or far right today, need to read. Peaceably assemble. Peaceably assemble. See, I think it, it would be good for most of us to really memorize and begin to better understand what the First Amendment to the Constitution actually stands for. It took a war, as Bessie Rots was uh, saying a moment ago, it took a war with England for that to become reality. And from the very beginning, Baptists, among others, were very enthusiastic in their support of and their fighting for religious liberty and independence. How many of you know what the very first Baptist church in the South, in the southern part of this country, the very first Baptist church in the southern part of America was? Do you know? It's First Baptist Charleston. Very first Baptist church ever in the southern United States. And um, strong supporter. In fact, when you read history, All of the Baptist churches in the Charleston Association in that area, and and at that time, by the way, the Charleston Association reached all the way up to Sumter, South Carolina. The, The church I pastored in Sumter was originally a member of the Charleston Association. So it was a large geographic area. And all of the Baptist churches supported independence, religious liberty, and the war of independence against England. Every one of them. But for many years... The war went badly, and South Carolina for much of that war was dominated and controlled by the British, by the English, and there was some persecution that took place. That, that first Baptist church in Charleston during those war years when the British controlled South Carolina, their sanctuary, their church building was taken over by the British and used as a storage facility. And through the persecution, the pastor and the members fled for safety to other places. Services were discontinued for that time. Do you know what the church did with the money it had on hand when they had to flee? You know what the church did with their money? They gave it. They gave it to the to the government. They gave it to the war for independence. And the point I'm making is is that when you read history, many believers and 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 Baptists were were clear in our There was was this clarion call that religious liberty and freedom of religion was needed and the only way to have it was to free ourselves from the tyranny of those who would not give it to us. And so today, I want to spend a few minutes talking about what does it mean to be a Christian citizen? What does it mean to be a Christian citizen? I have with me here my, my current passport. And if I flip through it, I see those stamps from from England, from Britain, from um, Italy, from Botswana, from uh, Malawi, from Zambia, from other places that I've traveled to in recent years. One of the things I'm very conscious of every time I I, I go through security and and immigration and everything at another country is I'm not a citizen of that country. And when, when I'm in Zambia or when I'm in England, I don't have all the rights and privileges while I'm there. That the citizens of that nation enjoy. I'm not a citizen of that country. Wherever I go, I'm always a citizen of this country, and and I have to have a passport to get in those countries, and I have to have this to get back in my country. And so this is an important document, and I'm I'm always aware of that reality. And and most of us in this room now, there may be some exceptions. Most of us in this room are American citizens. Many of us in this room are believers. We're followers of Christ. We have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That means we're also citizens of heaven. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. So you and I, if if you follow Jesus Christ and you are an American citizen, you have dual citizenship. My my son-in-law has dual citizenship, Canadian and uh, American. Many of you, if you love the Lord Jesus and He's your Savior, you have dual citizenship. A citizen, You're a citizen of America or maybe some other country, but you're also, if you're following Jesus, a citizen of heaven, you have that dual citizenship. And, and what does that mean for us? As a follower of Christ, having that dual citizenship, what does that mean for me? What does it mean for you? And let me ask it a different way. <clears throat> Which of those two citizenships Takes precedence. Which of those two citizenships is most important? Let me ask it a third way. Can we? Is it possible that we can love America too much? Now chew on that for just a moment. Open your Bible with me, please, to the book of Matthew, chapter 22. We're going to look at, this is the primary passage, and then look at some supporting verses as we uh, talk about this very important subject, Matthew, chapter 22. I want to look at one story in the life of Jesus, starting with verse 15. The Bible says some Pharisees, that was some religious leaders of Judaism, in Jesus day plotted together they got together and they put a plan they hatched a plan if you will how they might trap him trap Jesus in what he said they they wanted Jesus to say something that would get him in trouble i mean in today's culture with 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 smartphones uh, the way media is social media youtube instagram everything else if you say something and 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 you say it wrong, you say something bad, it's it's there forever, isn't it? And and how many people do we know that that get in trouble all the time because of 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 their speech? So they're trying to trap Jesus, get him to stumble on his words, if you will, so he'll become unpopular. It's not a new phenomenon. It's just you know exasperated today because of social media. But but people have always been trying to do that, and they're trying to do that to Jesus. And so they sent. They're disciples to him. They 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 didn't do it themselves. They got some you know other people to try to do the dirty work. And uh, they said to him in verse 16, Teacher, we know that you are truthful. In other words, you'll never lie. And teach the way of God in truth and defer to no one. You are not partial to any. So they're setting they're they're bragging on him, but they're also setting him up. Hey, we know you never back down and you never. Tell a lie. So what you are going to tell the truth? They're, they're, they're goading him. They're they're propping him up for a fall. And so in verse 17, they, they say, Tell us then, here's the question. What do you think? Is it lawful to give a poll tax to Caesar or not? Now, here's the reason that question was wasn't was a big deal. The people of Israel were not free. Judah was not free. It was captured, it was dominated, it was ruled by the Romans. It'd be like another country. What Betsy Ross was saying is when England was taxing the colonies and the colonies had no representation in the government. And so Rome was taxing the people of Judah. And guess what? They didn't like paying that tax. And so if Jesus said, hey... Don't pay it, guess what? He would alienate the Romans and he'd be in trouble with the legal authorities. If he said do pay it, he would offend all of the Jews who didn't want to pay it. And so they thought they had him in a vice grip with a question that that if he answered it honestly, he was going to create a problem for himself. Either way, he answered it. And so Jesus, in verse 18, perceived their malice. Do you know that God knows everything going on in your heart and mind right now? You, you, you may hide something from me, from your neighbor, from your spouse, but you never hide anything from God. And he said to them, why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Verse 19, show me the coin you used to pay the poll tax. And they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. The, the imprint of the Roman emperor was on the coin. And so he said to them in verse verse 21, then render or give to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar and to God the things that are God's. All right, do you have your penny? All right, get your penny out. <clears throat> when I was a kid, this penny was worth more than it is today. Yeah. If I had five of these when I was a kid, I could buy a bag of potato chips. If I had 10 of these, believe this or not, if I had 10 of these pennies when I was a kid, when I was your age, I could buy me a soft drink. Although we called it a pop. And if you ever called it a pop? Okay, my grandfather called it dope. Go get a dope. You'll have to ask your grandparents why. Alright, now, whose, whose image is on this penny? Huh? Abraham Lincoln. By the way, whose, whose image is on the nickel? Thomas Jefferson. Jefferson's also on the $2 bill, becoming extinct. Lincoln's also on the $5 bill. Whose image is on the dime? Huh? Franklin Roosevelt. Who's on the quarter? George Washington. He's also on the $1 bill. Now, we put images on our coinage. This indicates that it's an American coin backed by our treasury. It has liberty on it. and God we trust. Then you can look on the back and has our, our other, other information that's part of our historical record. And, uh, and it was the same thing years ago. When archaeologists dig and they find ancient coins, there are images on those coins. And so Jesus said, bring me the coin you used to pay the poll tax, and they brought him a denarius. And he said, whose image is on it? They said Caesar, the, the, the Roman emperor. Who's on this? Lincoln, one of our presidents. This is an American coin. And then Jesus said, he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. And he's saying more than some of us think. Because if you go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 1, whose image is stamped on you? Hmm? God said, let us make man in what? In our image, in the image of God, He created them, male and female. The Scripture teaches that you and I are created in the image of God. The image of God is stamped on you. So when Jesus is saying, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, you didn't play baseball, did you? Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. What is it that belongs to God? You. Because you're created in the very image of God. He is stamped on you. That's part of our dual citizenship. We belong to the kingdom of God. We belong. We're citizens. We're citizens of of heaven. Now do you understand why in the book of Exodus and other places God says, I am the Lord your God and you shall have no other gods, what? Before me. There's, there's no God, there's no anything that takes precedence over him because you're not created in the image of anyone else. You're only created in the image of God. And therefore give to God what belongs to God. In Matthew 22, if you still have your Bible open, look at verse 37. Same chapter, same chapter where Jesus is talking about the coin. He drops down a few verses and in verse 37 he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. This this is the greatest and foremost commandment. Render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and render to God what belongs to God. So let me ask that question again. Can we love America too much? And the answer is yes. If you love America more than or as much as you love Jesus Christ. And it's easy for us to fall prey to that God. while living here in America. The Christians who are waking up this morning in Italy or Egypt, Russia, China, the same thing is true. We must always, no matter where we are, remember who we are. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, saints of every nation and of every age, and are, you're part of God's household. Remember who you are. Philippians 3.24, our citizenship is where? What does the Word of God say? Is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 13, 14, for here we do not have a lasting city. Nothing on earth is permanent. All you have to do is read history to know that. What are we looking for? What are we seeking above everything? That city which is to come, the the new Jerusalem, the city of of heaven, the place of glory. In 2 Corinthians 5, 20. Therefore, we are what? ambassadors for Christ. As, and, and this is so powerful. Think about this. As though God were making, look at this, as though God were making an appeal through us. I'm an American citizen. Most of us are American citizens, but we are first and foremost citizens of heaven. And in a very real sense, the Bible teaches, we are God's representatives and ambassadors to this country. And to this world, and we are to live in such a way, and speak in such a way, and make decisions in such a way that we represent Him above everything. You know, for 200 years before the American Revolution, the colonies, and as Betsy Ross mentioned. When the revolution took place, there were 13 colonies. They were part of England, part of the British Empire. And uh, most of the citizens, the overwhelming majority of citizens of the colonies, considered themselves part of that empire, part of the British world. Their ancestors had come from England. Many of them still had relatives, family members uh, living there. Some traveled back and forth. My, my family. My family can trace our, our roots back, our heritage back to three brothers. Three brothers who traveled together from Scotland, part of the British Empire, in 1745, I believe it was, landed in Virginia. And all of us came from them. They left behind in Scotland brothers and their parents and that was that's that, that's that's a hundred years, just a little over a hundred years before the revolution. That was true of most people in the colonies when the revolution was taking place. For decades there was an affinity for Britain because it was their citizenship, it was their history. But from the 1760s forward, tensions developed for a lot of reasons, taxation being just one of them, but an important one. And there came a time when in the colonies, they decided independence was the only path forward, and it was a painful decision. That most of the colonies were, we celebrate Independence Day on what date? July what? Well, even in early June, most of the colonies, the majority were ready to vote for independence, but there were... There were were six colonies that were not ready to vote for independence yet. South Carolina was one of them. We were one of the last ones to vote for independence. And so the Continental Congress took a break from early June to early July to allow the process to unfold. And then they had a unanimous vote in early July. But there came a time when everyone living in the colonies, everyone living on this continent had to decide, were were they a a loyalist or a patriot? Were were they going to be loyal to the king? Were they going to be loyal to Britain? Or were they going to be a patriot and support the, 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 the cause of independence, the creation of a new country? Benjamin Franklin one of our most important figures, one of the, our most important founding fathers, in 1776, when the Continental Congress voted for independence, he was he was 70 years old and in 1776, 70 years old meant you'd live a long, long time. He'd outlived the average life expectancy. And he was famous. He was, he was a pop star. Not only in America, but before the war, he was a pop star, if you will, in England. He was also a guy who liked to get drunk and do other things, too. So he was a complicated character. He and John Adams helped Thomas Jefferson write the Declaration of Independence. It wasn't just Jefferson. They they aided him for a month as he wrote, wrote it. And by the way, Franklin is so important in our history. He's on one of our one of our bills. Do you know which 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 one of our currency? Uh, Benjamin Franklin's on today, huh? One hundred dollar bill. Anybody got one? Nah, I'm just... Well, Franklin had a son named William who was the spitting image of him. For 13 years, William was governor of New Jersey. The way that happened was Franklin and his son William traveled together to England. And Franklin asked King George to appoint his son governor of New Jersey. King George did so. And for 13 years, William was the governor of that state. And so they were both men who for their lives were loyalists. They, 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 they loved England and, and, and Franklin loved his time in London. And it was with great pain and sorrow he came to a point of of, of believing they could never have freedom under the king and under British rule. And so he became a stalwart for independence late in life. Most of their years together, Franklin and his son, William, were, they were close. They were, uh, people write about them as, as if they were best buddies, not just father and son, but they were close friends and confidence. And, 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 and Franklin helped his son get good jobs and, as I said, helped him become governor of New Jersey. However, his son, William, never supported independence. Never supported independence the war. In fact, William as governor of New Jersey in the conflict before the Declaration of Independence and, and and right up until that point actually spied for the British Army on his father and would send information to the British Army about what was going on with the American military and other events. <clears throat> and the relationship ended. Just before the Declaration of Independence, the Congress, if you will, of the state of New Jersey voted to remove William from office. He was placed under house arrest, and Franklin had enough status that he could have intervened, but he chose not to. The authorities in New Jersey did not want to imprison William in New Jersey. They wanted to send him to another state to be imprisoned, But that would require an act of the Continental Congress, And Franklin, at age 70, was a member of the Continental Congress. And so the charges were made in Philadelphia before the Congress, and Franklin is there, and he does nothing to help his son. And his son is sent to a prison in Connecticut. And it's a horrible place, a place reserved for men who had been sentenced to death. He, he slept not in a bed but on the floor on a mat that, that smelled of urine and human waste. He became so emaciated from malnutrition that he lost all of his hair. It fell out and he lost all his teeth. He was kept in solitary confinement. And Benjamin Franklin did Nothing intervene. There was no compromise. You were either a patriot or you were a loyalist to King George and the British crown. Now I'm not saying you and I need to view the world with hostility and view others with hostility. What I am saying is that as believers we we sometimes forget who we are. And we have to be clear in our mind and in our heart that above everything and anything we are loyal to Jesus Christ. We are committed to Jesus Christ. We love and serve Him above everything and everyone. It's not equal. It's not even close to being equal. Only Jesus is Lord and King in our heart. Now, what that will do is it will make us great citizens because we'll stand for freedom and we'll fight for freedom. It means that we live here but know we belong to the kingdom of God and we love America, we love its people, but we love him more. We understand that we are ambassadors for Christ and therefore, listen, listen. We are to influence this world and this culture and this country more than we allow the world and the culture and the country to influence us. It means we want what is good for America. And we do that by seeking the kingdom of God first. We want to be a blessing to the place we live as Jeremiah the prophet says we're supposed to be and make it a better place by contributing to this society and to this community in very positive and constructive ways. And brothers and sisters, given everything going on in our culture today, from every political perspective imaginable, I must say, we are to speak with the accent of heaven. Now how many of you have an accent? one of us Anybody from New England anybody we got anybody from New Jersey and Boston and those anybody from New England come on be proud don't be ashamed be proud anybody from New England No come on I'm a hillbilly I have my accent If you grew up in South Carolina you got one sister We all have an accent. Right? Well, as followers of Christ, guess what? We have one. And we are to speak with the accent of heaven. Colossians 4:6, let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. And and brothers and sisters, from the top to the bottom, from the left to the right, and this country and in this church. Everybody needs to hear that verse from God's Word. How we talk matters. Didn't Jesus say every idle word men speaks, they'll give an account of it on the judgment day? Do you believe that? Then don't allow all that's going on in our world today to shape how you talk and how you interact and how you deal with people. You are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Love this country. Make this a great place to live. But do so as somebody devoted to Jesus Christ. Well, I've got to wrap this up. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right. I'm just going to say it the way phonically. Wilfredo Garza, for 35 years, lived the life of an illegal immigrant. Year after year, he would cross the border into America from Mexico and work odd jobs and eked out a living. He was caught by the border patrol four times, bused back to Mexico, kept coming back. One day after all those years, he found the courage to walk into an immigration lawyer's office. You you know what he discovered that day? He was already an American citizen. His father, family from Mexico, his father had actually been born in Texas, making his father an American citizen. And because his father was an American citizen, guess what? He was an American citizen. And all those years he had his father's birth certificate and his father's work records from Texas, but didn't realize he was an American citizen. Kept trying to sneak in. Sometimes we who are followers of Christ act like we don't know who we are. We try to sneak in and out in this world based on the circumstance, the surrounding. Some of us don't understand that, yes, we, we have this, this service, and, and this is one of the best things that happens in this part of the state every year when we have this celebration of freedom, and we cherish our freedom, and we care about this country, but we love Jesus more. And some of us, if we're not careful, can forget that. And if we want to win this world to Jesus, we will do it as followers of Christ first and only. And so we've got a, a group going to the Dominican Republic. Guess what? You and I are supposed to love the people there the way we love the people here. We, we, we have, we're helping the church in Rochester, New York. Why? We're supposed, to, as God's people, to love the people in Rochester as much as we love the people in Rock Hill. We're helping the church in Birmingham, England. Why? Because we're supposed to love the people there like we love the people here. Why? Because we're followers of Christ. And that's what we do. And that makes us better for the world and it makes us better for this country whether the country understands it or not. So I guess I'm just saying, brothers and sisters, it's Jesus I'm proud to be an American, but I'm more proud to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. What is it, church? It's Jesus only. It's Jesus alone. It's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, and you are not to love anything or anyone as much as you love Him. I want us to stand and we're going to sing that beautiful song in Christ alone. And the altar is open for you to come and get on your knees and tell Jesus how much you love him, how devoted you are to him, to pledge your heart, your soul, your life, your resources, everything you are to him to join this church, to give your life to Christ and become a Christian. So as we sing, pastors are here at the front. You come right now, pray and make your decision because we're going to sing a couple of songs and worship King Jesus. Let's sing together.